And it's probably time to change focus creatively and not be trying to make a video essay channel like work. <laughs> Known for his really amazing video essays on games and his iconic series on how modern gaming is experienced by a non-gamer, Rasputin is one of my favorite game essays. And he might not have psychic powers, but where did his YouTube prowess came from? Sorry, couldn't resist a Psychonauts reference. I am Alex, and this is Genesis. So, at this point in your life, what do you tell strangers that you do for a living? Yeah, it's interesting. Since YouTube has become my job, I don't know that I've seen tons of strangers, just, you know, because of everything that's been going on, especially in the US with the pandemic. So, I don't know that I've run into that question a ton of meeting someone new. It's like, what do you do? But as things have been opening up, it's happened a bit. And I feel like I always, <laughs> I always like start it with a, well, actually I make YouTube videos <laughs> when people ask me in a very sort of like, this is the weirdest job in the world sort of approach. I don't know why I do that exactly, but What's usually the response that you get from that? Because that usually just leaves people with more questions. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, I mean, it all depends on how into YouTube the person is, which, I, you know, obviously YouTube is one of the most popular websites out there, so a lot of people are. But <laughs> a lot of the time it seems like the person is trying to measure if when I say I make YouTube videos, if like I'm successful at making YouTube videos, you know, or am I just like some guy who is unemployed and <laughs> you know you know you know making making little let's plays or something every day that that aren't hitting the masses yet and maybe this is all in my head but I always like get that sense that they're like trying to be like you know how successful is he when he says he makes YouTube videos and I always get the sense that they think I'm not <laughs> <laughs> which tends to be the norm so fair assumption yeah. I want to orient this a little bit towards your personal relationship with video games before YouTube became a thing in your life. So, how long in your life have you been playing video games? I have been playing games for pretty much like as long as I can remember. <laughs> oh, wow. I do feel like I have some memory of the first time like my family owned any sort of gaming system, which was my cousin got rid of her Game Boy and let my brother and I have it. And we played Super Mario Land. <laughs> that was like one of the only games she had. And that's like my first memory of playing a game. I don't know if it's the first game I ever played, but it's the first game that we like owned. And it definitely was kind of the start of oh yeah, games are pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> I like playing these. And then, yeah, and she eventually gave us her other systems like the NES and Super Nintendo. And yeah, it was just from there, you know. My earliest memories have games in them. Have you always been a primarily Nintendo person? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I, there was certainly a point in time where a lot of my friends were talking about, largely talking about JRPGs. 
And I was like, there's none of these on Nintendo. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, there are a few, but I was like, I really want to play an RPG. So I got a, I got a PlayStation so I could play, you know, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy IX, Legend of Dragoon. So for a little while, I think I dipped into PlayStation. But I think I've owned every Nintendo console <laughs> uh, at some point. And, and definitely after the N64 came out, Whenever a new Nintendo console came out, I bought it. Where I can't say I've done that for every other, you know, I, I haven't done that for PlayStation still and things like that. So the other side of the equation, I guess, will be YouTube. And I'm curious at what point in your life do you started consuming YouTube content? Like before even the idea of making anything of your own was a thing. Yeah, so I'm... I'm old. I'm ancient. 30, you know. <laughs> I'm also 30, so so watch watch your language. <laughs> Which I mean, you then you would know. That's not actually old in like normal people years, but on internet years, 30s ancient. We grew up in a time where internet wasn't as readily available. Not everyone had like a device that could connect to everything in their pocket at all times when they were young. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. YouTube wasn't really a thing when I was young. Like I, I think YouTube, I mean, when when did it even start? Like 2006? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I, I remember it when I was in high school. Like I remember it being around, but there weren't that many people making YouTube videos that I thought were worth watching. So I saw YouTube videos when I was in high school, but I wouldn't say I was like an active consumer of YouTube at that point. Yeah, just, you know, if something was on there, I might give it a watch. I'd say somewhere around 2010 is probably when I started like having YouTube be more and more of a source of entertainment instead of just a website that sometimes I'd watch videos on. And it was because of Minecraft. Interesting. As maybe unsurprisingly as that is, is for most people. I was home for some break during college and I saw an article that said the millionth user of Minecraft just signed up and they got a cape for doing it. And this was when Minecraft was a relatively unknown game with only a million active users, <laughs> which is wild, wild to think about that that... <laughs> seemed small at the time, just especially how big it's gotten now. But I remember hearing that and seeing that and being like, oh, this is really interesting. Like this game looks really interesting. So I wanted to see a little bit more if I'd like it. And I found a series on YouTube called X's Adventures in Minecraft, which I think for a lot of people who got into Minecraft, it is kind of one of those touchstone YouTube video series that a lot of people got into. And yeah, I watched his like a, an episode or two of that, bought the game, started playing it. But then I like kept watching. Like I'd started to watch just to get an idea of what the game was like. But you know, I liked the way the guy talked. I liked the way he thought about things. And yeah, I started kind of just watching that series and, and watching the whole thing through. Interesting. So 
at any point during this, did you get the idea that you could do something like that? Especially because I didn't watch a lot of Minecraft content back in the day, but what you're describing were basically Let's Plays, right? But yeah, narratively yeah. driven Let's Plays, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So at what point in your relationship to YouTube as a viewer did you had any idea or any impression that you could actually do some of this yourself? I think it would be a while until that happened. My path kind of was, I watched X's Adventures in Minecraft, and then I liked watching some Minecraft stuff, and I found my way actually back to an internet company that I had watched earlier, not on YouTube, but Rooster Teeth. So Rooster Teeth made, oh, like, had Achievement Hunter, which did like a bunch of Minecraft Let's Plays. And, uh, you know, obviously famous for Red vs. Blue that you know, I had been a fan of. So I would like kind of refound my way into that group and organization through their Let's Play content and got more and more into Let's Plays. And yeah, from Rooster Teeth, I eventually came across Game Grumps, which I think for me was probably the time where that shift actually happened. Because yeah, from Game Grumps, I started hearing people talk about this thing called Sequelitis made by Egoraptor. And yeah, I watched that and was like, oh, you can do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you can take like essentially a college essay, put some jokes in it, and have it be about a video game and, and put visuals? You can do this? So yeah, I think watching that and then having that kind of open the door to other, you know, video essayists or people... Just doing similar, you know, whether it be top 10 lists or just reviews, like seeing that sort of thing, be like, hey, I'm an English major. I write all the time. Like, why don't I do this? Because I also, around that space, I was just trying to write all the time. Like, I had this thing where I was like, I'm going to write a thousand words a day. Sometimes it'd be a short story, sometimes it'd be like an article or something. But I was just trying to write a ton. I also noticed nobody, <laughs> it was really hard to get people to read the things I wrote. <laughs> Convincing friends to read a short story is not the easiest thing in the world, you know? <laughs> but then I was like, well, if I focused my writing into like a video, I think it'd be way easier to send that to people and then they'd watch it and then give me feedback. Like people are more likely to watch a video than read an article. So I think it was around, yeah, that time of discovering people like Egoraptor and just seeing that kind of brand of video that I was like, I'm well suited for this. It is incredible just how many video game related essays basically got started referencing sequelitis. Like yeah. it's a, there's what, three, four? There's not a lot of sequelitis videos, but it's no. impressive just all the content that has come indirectly from it is mm -hmm. outstanding. So what was your first idea of a video that you actually executed on? <laughs> yeah, so I think finding my identity took a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I very much was trying to make stuff that I thought would do well, you know, and basing it off of the videos I saw would do well. I think I was able to maybe hide my influences well enough where, you know, sometimes people will put out a video and be like, okay, you're ripping off Nakey Jakey or, you know, or whoever it is. Like, uh, this is clear. Mm -hmm. 
I think I was able to hide that a bit, but the main takeaway is my earliest stuff instead of focusing on like, hey, this is an interesting idea that I'm going to pick apart and examine and analyze, I was kind of using the format of talking about video games to tell jokes, you know, like you'd see a lot with top 10 stuff. You know, I think mm -hmm. like, like Peanut Butter Gamer is a great example of someone who would do that really well. My issue was I'm not funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least I wasn't funny in those videos. And it was trying hard to be humor that I hoped people would find funny that just wasn't like my style or my brand of humor. So my first video idea I had was top 10 video game characters to impress, <laughs> which I think is actually an interesting concept of like, you know, characters that you play a video game and you're like, I want this character to like me in the game. You know, <laughs> I feel attached to them. I want to do nice things for them. It's like a, you know, relationship building game. That's the character I'm always going to pursue. I think it's an interesting idea, like on why you might feel that way about a character, like what makes a likable character. And I actually ended up making that a video at some point later on. But the format of it didn't explore any of that. Like <laughs> it was all just like bad setups for dumb jokes. And yeah, the first couple of videos were kind of that way of like, okay, I got to tell these jokes. I got to be funny. I got to make sure everything ends in a punchline. Otherwise people won't watch. How did that go? Because that sounds like an experiment, but not a successful one. Yeah. I mean, it had fine reception. I posted it on some places, you know, a few different forums. Back at that time, there was a forum called the Hidden Block Forum for a group called Hidden Block, which was a handful of gaming YouTubers, you know, of a relatively big channel. I mean, I think at the time, those channels had like anywhere from like 40 to 100,000 subscribers, which in general is a lot, but also at that time was a lot because this was pre merge with Gmail or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it all changed after that because there were just so many more users in the pool and getting subs became a lot different than it was back in the day. So yeah, uh, it was an organization or a group of people who made videos and they had a forum where a lot of smaller channels would post their stuff, help each other out, give tips, give pointers. And yeah, so it did all right. You know, people were nice about it and you know, maybe he should have given me more constructive feedback at the time, though. <laughs> maybe he should have called me out a little more. So after that, it usually takes a significant amount of time for most people to actually find a voice and an identity that actually leads to an audience and any sort of YouTube momentum. So how long did it take for you to actually start seeing any growth at all? And what caused it? Yeah, so my first two videos were top 10 lists that, again, they were all about focusing on the joke and not mm -hmm. like actually breaking down a video game. And then, so I had an idea for a series where I'd kind of explore games that I missed like in the past and never played that were like really famous. And the first one I did was A Link to the Past, which is, you know, surprisingly a game I played for the first time in my 20s. And I think that was kind of a turning point of finding a little bit more of my identity. Because as I said, I obviously got into 
it all partly because of sequelitis, but then I started making stuff that was more in line with people who, frankly, were comedians using video games as a way to tell jokes, which like that's what I started making, even though that doesn't really explain me. You know, mm -hmm. I'm an English major. I like breaking stuff down. I like analyzing stuff. So my video on A Link to the Past, which was kind of like, hey, this is a look at an old classic through fresh eyes. That one I started kind of trying to bring the identity a little closer to something like sequelitis. So breaking down the themes, breaking down like interesting gameplay mechanics. I, I At that point, I was like, I'm not good or interested in telling jokes like as the primary function. <laughs> you know, I'll throw a couple in there so things don't get too dry. But, you know, what I want to do is just break this thing down. So I think that was that was a bit of a turning point of what if I focused more on game design and let that speak for itself instead of trying to be like, hey, look at me, I'm so funny, I tell joke. Uh, that <laughs> wasn't even funny, you know? Yeah. So what would you say is the first video that saw you transition to this more analytical format? Yeah, I think it was, so the, the video is called I'd Never Played A Link to the Past. So that, mm. that would be kind of the first one that people who, who go back and watch would be like, okay, yeah, this seems actually sort of like Raz. <laughs> this seems like something I'd kind of expect from a Rasputin video, even though I sound a lot different in it. And uh, yeah. Did you see a difference in terms of growth and reception going through that change? Yeah, that one definitely, you know, when I started that series, it definitely started to get some more views. And also I felt like at that point, people in that hidden block community who had kind of gotten to know each other and become friends with each other, joined Skype calls with each other, started to be a little more receptive to me. You know, I think they saw a little more value in what I was making and, and yeah, reached out a bit. And I, you know, I joined a few Skype conversations, none that I got too active in, but, you know, started meeting some people in that scene. Ah, wow. That was fast. Getting to know people in the scene by your third video and they actually help you improve your format or just the technique that you were doing? Yeah, I mean, so in that hidden block forums, there were just hundreds of creators, you know, mostly at the time, like under a thousand subs who were all just trying to get better and trying to make cooler and cooler things. And, you know, it's especially in that sort of environment, it's hard to get feedback if you're not given feedback. So of uh, people people were very much wanting to help and wanting to, you know, especially when they saw something that like, hey, I think this has potential, like wanting to help other people hone their craft and then also, you know, get help to hone their own. So if I remember correctly, after you headed into this new direction, I mean, to be honest, the first video I heard of you is, is the big one, the mm -hmm. gaming for non-gamers, but that was later. I think before that, it was a video about fast travel that mm -hmm. I remember seeing in my feed somewhere. So was mm -hmm. that your first viral video? If we could call it, you know, quote-unquote viral in terms of the algorithm pushing stuff? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I certainly had a few that 
at the time I was like, oh, this video went viral and it got like 2000 views. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, I put out a video called I Hate Fast Travel and it did all right. And then a year later, like almost exactly a year later, it hit the algorithm really hard <laughs> and pretty much popped from 10,000 to over a million now. So did that create some momentum that started carrying some of your present videos forward? Or was that just like a spike of traffic that then fizzled out? <laughs> I'd say it carried a fair bit of momentum. I think as that like kind of worked its course over a few months, my channel at that point probably jumped from like about 3,000 subs to around 30,000. Oof. Which was weird, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And making videos was not my full-time thing. And sometimes I'd have four to five month gaps <laughs> between stuff. I didn't do the best job capitalizing on the momentum right away. All right. So when did you, like at least trying to connect to my own personal story, I know there tends to be a point where a viral hit or something turns into a desire to do this for a living, to try mm -hmm. to do this a little bit more seriously. And then usually that's when people start creating content a little bit more frequently and trying to strategize a little bit. So one, did that ever happen to you? And second, the question will be when? Yeah, so I guess to work through it, at least the way I see it, I'm bad with years. <laughs> Let's say 2017. <laughs> In 2017, a friend and I, my friend Jesse Grasha, were going to start a new channel together that was supposed to have stuff that kind of felt like what Vox was doing at the time, like more just like, here's topic, here's some slick editing for it. And we were going to form that channel. We made a couple videos for it, but then hit a point where we were like, neither of us have time to do this. <laughs> and it was one of those projects where it's like, okay, let's just take the videos. We can post them on our own channels. So yeah, it was around the time that I Hate Fast Travel blew up that I posted one of the videos that we had made about Avatar onto my channel. And that video actually did pretty well. And then yeah, so my channel went from 3,000 to around 30,000, didn't capitalize on it a ton. And then Jesse and I hit a point where like, hey, what if we just tried to do this? Take a handful of months, see what we can grow from something that's you know, at 30,000 and go for it. So he was working as my editor for that period. And yeah, we tried to put out some more videos. So, you know, it probably had a gap for a while of not trying when I hit around that 30,000 range, but then was like, okay, let's, let's go for it and see what we can get to happen. And it was mixed results. Like the videos <laughs> were all great. One video would get like 200,000 views and then the next would get 5,000. And it was hard, yeah. <laughs> especially because it always seemed like the ones that we expected to get 200,000 views would be the ones that bomb, you know? <laughs> Those would always be the ones that fell flat and that was definitely really tough. But yeah, you know, throughout that period, we put out a handful of things that went, I don't know about viral, but like definitely hit far above what you'd expect in views from a channel with 30,000 subs, right? Exactly. So 
<laughs> I think we're heading to the big one, the one that mm -hmm. I have been more looking forward to ask questions. <laughs> so what's the story? At what point if sort of your YouTube journey were you when you did the gaming for a non-gamer video? Because I remember that video was everywhere. Like you, you couldn't, you couldn't run away from it in the algorithm. YouTube did me a favor there. Yeah, it, it will chase you. It will be like, you need to watch this <laughs> now. I got a lot of comments being like, fine, YouTube, I'm watching it. <laughs> just, just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, I was one of those people. And finally, when I watched it, I was like, huh, this is actually pretty good. And nowadays, <laughs> it has what, like 10 million? I don't think I have... My most watched video has like maybe five, 10 million. That's insane. It's, yeah, it is wild. Especially for a video essay. Yes. There aren't many video essays that hit that kind of virality or that level. So, what's the story behind that video? Yeah. So, you know, during kind of that period that I was trying to make the channel happen, where I was like, okay, I want this to work out. And Jesse and I were trying to make a bunch of videos during that time. You know, the channel was doing okay, having ups and downs. It did double in size. You know, it got from about 30,000 to 60,000, which was good growth. But yeah, during that time, my wife was watching me play Hollow Knight and she asked if she could play. And I was like, you're going to hate it because Hollow Knight's really hard <laughs> and you don't play video games, but. Yeah, it sounds fun. And it was just like an electric experience watching her play and just seeing the easiest of jumps to me being something she's like, I can't do it. I don't know that I can make it. Like, what if I fall? What if I fall? <laughs> just be like, well, if you fall, then you just jump back up, you know? But to her, it didn't feel like that at all. And it was kind of a moment where I just like, games are so different to different people, especially to someone who doesn't know anything about them. And yeah, from that moment, I started coming up with that idea of, okay, let's have her play a handful of games, all different types, and see what they're like and see how it goes. And yeah, probably for about a year, you know, we would sit down and once a month have her play a different game, record it, take some notes, and talk to her about her experience afterwards. Just because, yeah, I mean, you know, she has her own life and career, <laughs> and unfortunately, we couldn't just do it all quickly. But it was kind of nice to have it spread out so it didn't get too overwhelming or frustrating for her. So what, did the video pop up immediately as it did? Or what, well, I guess this is a three-part question, which is, what was your feeling? What was happening when this video was going nuclear as it went? And what did, what did your wife think about it? Yeah, so to get to it, we'll take a little, I guess, explain, I guess, of where mentally I was at at the time that I posted yeah. the video, which is, you know, Jesse and I had been working on growing the channel and it definitely hit a point where we had dropped like two or three videos that just didn't do well. And... During that time, then I like broke my elbow <laughs> and just like all these things were happening that kind of slowed down putting out videos. And it kind of felt like, all right, it's hitting a point where like the channel has grown, but it's not bringing in money, not bringing in enough money to be like 
financially viable long term. So we were kind of hitting the point of like we gave it a shot, and it's probably time to change focus creatively and not be trying to make a video essay channel like work. <laughs> so that's kind of where I was at at the time of like <laughs> kind of giving up on making video essays. Not that I was never going to make another video essay, but it was the sort of thing of like it's time to stop trying to make this the career because it was taking just a lot of energy and not having the result that I was hoping for. How ironic. Yeah. <laughs> but I still had this video that was like half finished, you know, that we had recorded the games for and I just needed to finish the script and put it together. So yeah, I, you know, we kind of hit a point of like, yeah, let's cool it on making videos. But I was like, okay, I'm going to edit this thing, put it together, put it out. So yeah, I made it. And I remember saying to a bunch of friends being like, yeah, I don't think this video is going to be interesting to people. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ridiculous now, obviously. But I like, but it was my honest thought of like, because there is a fair bit of you know game design discussion in it, which is I think what my channel was known for and is known for. But it also was just a lot of kind of personal banter with my wife, you know, and kind of a look at our relationship in a way that like as like maybe people who have been longtime fans will kind of think it's fun and cute, but I can't imagine other people being interested. Which again, now I realize like that I guess peek into our relationship is probably another reason why the video did so well because I do think people like seeing that sort of thing for better and for worse. <laughs> but yeah, so I put that video out and it had a really good first day and I was like very surprised because I was like, I didn't think people would watch past the first two minutes. And then it had a better second day. <laughs> And then the third day, it was over a million views. Wow. And like, yeah, I had never had anything jump up that quickly. And I went from 60K to 100K to like, by the end of the week, I think it was at like 150K subs, which I never thought I'd break 100 you know, there was a long period where I was like, I will never be able to break 100,000 subs. But yeah, just with this one video, it broke all expectation and reason. And it was overwhelming for certain in like the best and also not the best ways. I mean, my wife was just excited for me because she knew I was kind of down around that time as I had felt like the channel wasn't doing as well and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next so she was excited to see like it working. I think for both of us the flood of comments that that video got was just a lot and it's like 99% of it was positive but you know still that 1% of people were really rude. <laughs> As it tends to be, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially when you have something about a, you know, a woman playing video games and you put that on the internet, there oh, are God, a yeah. subset of people who are just going to be huge, huge jerks about it. 
So that was kind of her first experience of having negative things said about her by strangers on the internet, which I had dealt with it a bit before. So I don't want to say I'm used to it because I'm not. It still makes me mad when people do that sort of thing. I don't know how it's been in your experience, but you learn to just not seek out those comments. <laughs> I don't know that I've learned to just let them bounce off me, but I've learned to like yeah. find ways to make sure I don't see them because it just is never going to make me feel good. <laughs> Or you go straight looking for them and picking fights where no one's looking because you have a self-destructive <laughs> deed. Sorry, this is just, true, this, this is literally something I was doing right before we started recording. I won't say I never do that either, yeah. if it makes you feel better. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, uh, but since we're talking about the reception of the video, was there anyone who reached out after watching the video that changed both their perception of what gaming should be for people entering into the hobby? I have heard quite a number of indie devs that have passed the video between them and be like, oh, you know, there may be things that we should be thinking about for new players. And I know that I'm not the only one who has had used the video as a point of reference when introducing new people to gaming. So given the huge reach, I do wonder if you have been aware of some of that external impact it has been having. Yeah. So when I put up the video, the first thing, like before even the views were super, super high, the first thing that blew my mind was that Yacht Club, the developers behind Shovel Knight, a game I love and a game that was pretty heavily featured in the video, retweeted it. And we're like, hey, this is a great video. And then <laughs> some of the devs followed me there. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Game developers who I respect immensely are following me. And yeah, you know, a few other devs followed and were like, hey, really like the video. And yeah, it is something I very much noticed. And then a few reached out and it was just extremely validating to be like, oh, I'm not just some idiot spewing bad takes on the internet. <laughs> My takes are respected by people who actually make games. Heck yeah, I'm oh, like, let's amazing. go. Now that we are in a post-gaming for a non-gamer first video world, I have been aware that you have done a bunch of sequels, if we can call that, to that concept of video, but also trying to mm -hmm. extend the reach of what you can discuss. What looks externally like a good degree of success. But I'm interested in seeing what is your personal perception mm -hmm. of what your channel, what your content is in a world after that video. Yeah, so when that video came out and did really well and people said, hey, make one that talks about this game or these games, I knew that I had a formula that would be surefire for a while. <laughs> You know, but I didn't want it to be the identity of my channel because, in my mind, it's a concept that can only last so long. You know, mm -hmm. and, and even now, you know, when I put out a new one, I'll get comments being like, "Can you really call her a non-gamer anymore?" Yeah, it's it's a concept with a shelf life. Yeah, you know, and it's also one that so far between every video I've done and, and the ones that I'm working on for the future with the Gaming for a Non-Gamer series, like I feel like I've been able to approach it from a different angle where I say distinctly different things and explore different views on, you know, 
coming into games and learning how to play games for the first time. But that is not something I can do forever. You know, <laughs> there are only so many ways, I think, to explore it until I'm just making the same video over and over again, which will eventually then get less interest and, and get less views. So yeah, immediately after the first one, I was like, I need to put out stuff that isn't this. <laughs> I need all these people that just came. I need them to see, here's a different thing I put out. And it's good too. <laughs> it's also good. Like Start to watch me for the personality of Rasputin or the ideas of Rasputin and not just for gaming for a non-gamer. So I put out two videos before the next gaming for a non-gamer, which was one about Link's Awakening, Mm -hmm. Which like, okay, a Zelda video, it seems safe. <laughs> it seems safe to throw out there. And then I put one out about the Princess Bride, the classic 1980s film. And my thought process behind those two videos was like, I want people who are sub to me to know that I will make videos about anything I want to make videos on. It might be a video game. It might be another game in front on Gamer. It might be about a movie from the 80s, but it could be anything, you know? So that's what you're signing up for. Do not expect it to always be the one thing you want all the time. That was kind of my logic behind it. And then, yeah, you know, I released another game in front on Gamer, which did really well and kind of tried to keep that pace of like game in front on Gamer video, other videos. Gaming for non-gamer video, other videos. And obviously there was always a spike with the gaming for non-gamer. And that's fine. I'm happy to have that spike. But the other stuff was performing more than well enough for like things to be working out for me. Looking towards the future, do you have any other gaming for non-gamer videos planned or is this, is this the end of it? I have a handful planned. Yeah. Oh, wow. Kudos to you. You took this way farther than I will have. <laughs> maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe people would say he's stretching it out too much. But nah. no, I have a handful of ideas. I think at this point, I'm trying to present it and treat it more as this is my wife's journey in her education of video game. Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. And yeah, instead of, I mean, the focus of the first one is very much of like, My wife's a non-gamer. These are things I noticed from her playing as a non-gamer, which is still rooted in her, but presented in a more general like way. But yeah, I'm trying to move it a bit towards like, this is the journey. I want to explore a couple more genres of games that she hasn't really experienced that I think would be pretty interesting to see her experience. And then yeah, hang up the hat for the series. I, I don't fully know how many total episodes it'll be My guess is, I, I think, depending on when this podcast releases, I'll probably have six or seven out total, which I'd say I'm probably halfway through my expected like run of the series. That's impressive. Okay, I think I got everything that I wanted to. Anything you're looking forward in the future that is just different in terms of your work? I mean, I think I'm trying to find ways to expand what I do, find ways to, yeah, I mean, get out there in different avenues, you know, and in different creative pursuits and 
find various ways to express myself through that, whether it be, you know, through making a podcast, which I have some thoughts of doing, you know, finding ways to, I've been trying to do live streams, which has been a lot of fun, but finding ways to elevate that. And yeah, yeah, just bring a cool creative experience to streaming. Yeah, I don't know, just finding more ways to express myself, I guess, ultimately. I'd love to make a board game one day. Ooh, that would be interesting. Mostly because I'd love, love to make a video game, but I do not know anything about programming. Not that you need to, obviously you can get a team and I could just be the ideas guy, I guess. But I feel like I'm a way, a way, way out from that sort of thing. But I'd love to start with a board game to kind of get some design under my belt. Right now there's this thing called the Nintendo Maker Garage. I, think I completely forgot the name, damn it. But <laughs> there are tools out there, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, the game yeah, Nintendo yeah. put out. I have some mm-hmm. game design friends that have been like the tools are way more flexible than I thought. So hoping to take a, a couple of weeks off to see if I can build a game there too. So <laughs> maybe you yeah. should consider that. Yeah, maybe. Or a book about gaming for non-gamer. Hmm. Anyway, sorry. I just my, my <laughs> mind went off with so many good ideas. Thank you for talking with me and, and sharing your experience and the story of your channel. Yeah. I look forward to everything that happens in the future. Yeah, me too. Thank you for reaching out to me. 